Hey everybody, my name is Michael Hunter. This is the premiere episode for ACCBasketballReport.com. This is the podcast that goes with the website. We're going to get a little bit more in-depth on this podcast than we do on the website. Uh, Typically, that's usually 800 to 1,200 words. This is going to be more of a rundown, more of a free-flowing deal. I'll probably do some mailbags, some buy-sell, hold, uh, stock deals on this. Also do some recruiting information, some news notes, uh, game notes, things of that nature. Uh, A little bit about who I am. My name is Michael Hunter. I am a Georgia Tech fan living behind enemy lines in the triangle. Um, A transplant from the Northeast. I've been a Georgia Tech and an ACC fan since about 95, 96. Um, I am not an insider. I am not an analyst. I am not a coach, a former pro, a former player, nothing. I'm just someone who watches more games than probably anybody should. Um, and this this deal here is a, is a passion project for me that I really look forward to doing. And I've been preparing myself for for a long time. Uh, broadcast journalism was probably something that I should have done uh, from an early age. Unfortunately, I've been doing uh, construction since an early age. And... Uh, Outside of my day job, this is kind of what I like to do uh, to kind of blow off some steam. Uh, it's something, like I said, that's a passion project for me. And, you know, it's it's something other than the website that uh, you can go to to hear me go a little bit more in depth. Uh, I think I'm probably a better speaker than I am a writer by leaps and bounds. So um, what I want to do first today is go over some of yesterday's action. Um, the ACC slate officially got kicked off yesterday. I know that there was a Duke-Boston College game a couple weeks ago in which uh, Boston College actually hosted the Blue Devils in Chestnut Hill and got the win. Um, what I want to do first is I'll start out with the first game I watched yesterday. There were six games, 12 teams. I watched four of the six games. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Uh, we're going to start off with the noontime tip of UNC Wake Forest, uh, which I had predicted on the website uh, an outcome of UNC winning 80 to 67. The actual score was uh, 73 to 69. UNC improves to 12 and two, while Wake Forest falls to seven and six. Uh, something that I had talked about prior to Wake Forest loss to Tennessee was I wanted to see Wake Forest both a go on the road and b beat a team that was worth talking about because up to this point the demon deacons haven't actually beaten a team that anyone would really consider a good win um i think they beat illinois at one point to start off their uh, their recent six seven game win streak but you know the illini that's that's not going to get me all hot and bothered that's nothing to get really excited about i think uh you know they had a couple opportunities in the past week with tennessee in North Carolina yesterday to get a good quality win, and instead they looked at seven and six. Um, you know, not really impressing me. Um, a really talented team, but unfortunately, you know, Danny Manning is a guy that's been able to accumulate talent, but he hasn't actually been able to do anything with it on the floor. I mean, if you're just looking at games and teams on paper, this is probably a top eight, top nine talented team, but they don't do anything on offense. I, I watched the whole entire game. Tip to buzzer yesterday, I can't tell what the fuck they're running. Um, It looks like high screen, maybe some dribble penetration, but otherwise it's high ball screen, dribble, 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 you know, take all the air out of the offense, all the air out of the ball, and then eventually shoot a fucking three. Uh, Early on, they went to Doral Moore in the post. He looked uh, far better than I anticipated and far better than what I remember seeing him play like. 
Um, didn't have a ton of points, but he had a couple of nice post moves. But then he picked up uh, two early fouls. Uh, he sat on the bench, and um, you know Wake went on to shoot 30% uh, overall in the first half. And North Carolina played like absolute dog shit in the first half, shot 36% themselves, but they were still up by five at the half. So, you know, you can't, you can't defend a team like Carolina, make them shoot 36%, and still be losing to them at halftime. I mean, uh, Brent, Brian Crawford, Kashawn Woods, only two players in double digits for Wake Forest. They went eight for 16 from the line. Um, they only had six turnovers, so Carolina has continued this trend, which probably began with the Wofford game, where they only forced seven turnovers, and they only forced six turnovers against an ACC opponent, a lower-tier ACC opponent, and, you know, Wake Forest helped them out by having terrible shot selection, which might as well be a live ball turnover when you're launching threes and you get Joel Berry, Cam Johnson, Kenny Williams, uh, Theo Pinson out in the out in the open court and, and allow him to run. You know, game over. There it is. Uh, Chandy Brown, for some reason, only played 13 minutes yesterday. Uh, for the life of me, I, I don't know what's up with that. Um, I thought he played pretty well. Um, I, you know, that, that's something that I always think Danny Manning goes a bit too deep. Uh, Brandon Childress did play well yesterday. I believe he had eight points and seven assists. But, uh, you know, I don't know why Eggleston, uh, I don't know why Donovan Mitchell, I don't know why these guys are on the court. Um, you know, I think you could probably go four guards with uh, with Moore, with Woods, Crawford, Brown, and Childress. And, uh, you know, they're not going to rebound all that well, but if, if Moore can stay on the floor, I think that's something that they can they can look at. And even if they have to go big, this Olivier Saar, the freshman from France, Played really well yesterday. He's a little bit thin. Uh, he's an exciting player. I think he's got long-term upside. Uh, but I, I really like uh, Thompson, the transfer. Um, I, I think he's he's a really gritty, tough, strong, you know, senior graduate transfer type player that should really be playing the bulk of the minutes at the four instead of Saar. I'm not sure Saar defensively he's going to block some shots but he's also very thin uh if he gets matched up against a big front court such as he did yesterday with the tire heels um you know he's gonna he's gonna eat a little bit you know take a little bit of his own medicine there um one thing about the tire heels in their front court while i'm right on that subject is williams roy williams coach roy williams is still trying to employ this too big lineup with luke may paired with either one of the three freshmen, which would be Garrison Brooks, uh, Sterling Manley, or Brandon Huffman. Uh, I believe Brooks played the bulk of the minutes yesterday. I think he had 22 minutes. And he actually played pretty well early on. He hit the offensive glass. You know, he's a really athletic kid. <clears throat> he needs to uh, he needs to get in the weight room a little bit and uh, and put on some bulk. Uh, same thing for Manley. He's just he's really not ready to be on the floor. He's really weak with the ball. Um you know, Huffman, I thought at the beginning of the season in, in my preseason previews of the conference, I thought Huffman was probably the highest upside guy. But outside of a foot, he's pretty much useless. Um, he, he, they're all decent rebounders. They're all pretty good rim protectors. But you never know which one's going to give you what on any given night. Um, <clears throat> that's why I, I don't understand why Williams 
isn't going to a stretch four lineup with Cam Johnson at the four. He finally did it yesterday uh, after the game was uh, nip and tuck pretty much the whole the whole afternoon. Uh, Cam Johnson finally came in there with Pinson and Luke May, and the Tar Heels were able to put the game away at the end. Uh, but again, you know, just by the skin of their ass, it was only a four-point victory. Um, I think it's something that Williams has to look into moving forward because I think Brooks is a nice player off the bench, but I think primarily their lineup should be a stretch four, uh, four-out lineup and let May go to work on the block. Um, <clears throat> might suffer a little bit on... The, on the on the offensive glass, possibly on the defensive glass, but I think you you give you give Cam Johnson uh, what do you have yesterday twenty seven minutes, twenty seven minutes at the four. You give him thirty, play a little bit of Ironman basketball as he knocks the rust off, which he looked really good yesterday. He didn't look winded at all. Uh, you, you give him thirty minutes, he's going to give you six, seven, eight rebounds, and you know Luke May, he's he's averaging a double double. He's going to get you ten to thirteen almost every night. You know you can book that. Uh, I believe he had a double double yesterday with fifteen minutes to go in the second half. So, again, um, it, it's, a, it's a matter of, you know, UNC yesterday, they, they pounded the glass. They are plus 14. Wake Forest doesn't run shit for offense. Um, you know, I fully expect uh, Danny Manning to bring in this fantastic recruiting class for next year, and he's just going to play shit, and they're, you know, they're, they're not going to, to really amount to much. He's going to let this this offense do you know whatever they want. It's going to be a playground offense, and eventually you know he's going to put up a shit record, and they're going to end up firing him. Um, I'm I'm not a big believer in his in his uh, in his acumen as far as putting a good team together or actually putting a good product on the court. I shouldn't say good team together. He's going to put a good team together. He's just not putting a good product on the court. He can accumulate talent, like I said. He just, I don't think he can coach. He needs some kind of some kind of assistant that can put a system together for him that can, uh, that can uh, operate with the types of players that he's bringing into this program, which are very high end, as I said. Uh, second game I watched on the day, let's, uh, moving right along, is Georgia Tech-Notre Dame. You know, much much to my chagrin, you know, I watched the Yellow Jackets play like ass again for what seems like the you know the tenth straight game. Um, only had uh, eight scholarship players available, only seven played. Uh, the word is Justin Moore is on the West Coast with his family for a funeral. Uh, Sylvester Ogbonda and Curtis Haywood, Kurt Gone Bad, the best nickname in the ACC. Uh, you know, still out with injuries. Haywood with a shin. And Sylvester, uh, he had an MCL sprain in the preseason. I'm not sure if that is still what is bothering him. Um, as usual, between these two teams, you know, it, it was another – it was a good game. This is should become one of the better rivalries of the mid-tier teams. I had predicted uh, Notre Dame to actually – Kind of kicked the piss out of uh, out of G Tech with a 92-71 projection. Uh, the actual was actually 68-59, and what was not a very fun game to watch. Uh, G Tech actually took a lead into the halftime, 28 to 23. Um, Bonzi Colson only had eight and six at the half, but finished with 22 and 17. You know the guy's just a fucking maniac. Um, in the first half, I thought Georgia Tech had uh, shown improved perimeter defense. They ranked somewhere 310, somewhere in that, in uh, opposing teams' uh, three-point field goal percentage allowed. And uh, for the first time in, in you know over a month, Ben Lammers actually looked healthy. He had a double-double. I believe he had 10 and 11 or 11 and 10, one or the other, and uh, five or six blocks on the afternoon. Uh, G-Tech actually played – 
you know, their patented high post offense where they run everything through Lammers, but without Haywood, without Moore, um, you know, the, the hard cuts that they're known for, they just kind of weren't getting done. Uh, Brandon Alston is a player that played heavy minutes yesterday. And I think he had four points and three rebounds in almost 30 minutes. So that's not really going to get it done. You know, I need we need some efficiency out there. You know, AD Gay is a player that is 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 proficient on on the defensive end, but when you get him on the offensive end, I mean, the the kid can't even catch the ball. I mean, if you can't hold on to the ball, if you can't catch the ball you're more of a liability on offense than you are a pro on the defensive end. And hopefully when Haywood gets back, um, maybe when Vass gets healthy, he'll be able to take some minutes. Um, I thought he was a he was as good a rebounder as AD last year, even though AD was a little bit dinged up, I believe. Um, yeah, he broke his wrist. But, uh, you know – I think if, if if you're going to score some points, I mean this is a this is a Notre Dame team that just gave up 87 points to Dartmouth, you know, a week and a half ago. There's no reason that GTAC should only be scoring 59 points against them. On the flip side, um, Notre Dame went to a two-three uh, early on, which really gave uh, gave GTAC some uh, some problems on the offensive end. Uh, all five starters scored in double figures for Notre Dame, which if you follow the website, you've known that. I've been talking about their lack of supporting cast for the last few weeks. It's put them, you know, kind of in a situation where I'm a little bit worried about, you know, their upside, what their ability to do in the tournament is when they've only got three players giving them any kind of consistency, that being Bonzi Colson, TJ Gibbs, and Matt Farrell. Uh, Farrell actually, you know, he didn't play very well for the first eight minutes. They held him scoreless, but then he was able to hit a couple back-to-back threes um, TJ Gibbs, of course, you know, is a fantastic three-point shooter. I think he's shooting 47% on the year, something like that. Uh, in the second half, Fluger hit a couple big threes, uh, had a beautiful behind-the-back pass to Colson that, that you know, it, it, it's the little things. They're still not getting anything out of DJ Harvey, who didn't play a lot of minutes yesterday. I can't remember. I think they might have had four points off the bench yesterday. But if you're going to get double figures out of all five scorers and Colson's going to lead you at 22, Notre Dame's not a team that's going to lose a lot of games, especially at home when they're getting that kind of production. Uh, both teams actually ended up shooting exactly the same, 23 or 60 from the floor, but Notre Dame took advantage of the free throws, which uh, if you ask my buddy Tony Patelis over at College Hoop News, those fucking things don't cost a damn thing. Notre Dame went 15 of 18 from the line. Georgia Tech went 7 of 18. And there's the game right there. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> it's been something that's hampered GTAC for years. They can't shoot free throws. Uh, they must be playing the best free throw defensive teams in the country because it's just something they've never been able to do. They didn't do it at the end of the Hewitt era. They didn't do it the whole fucking time that Brian Gregory was the coach. And after going 20 of 21 against Coppin State the other night, they step out on the floor in the first ACC game of the year and they go 7 of 18. Uh, a quick note from that game, Bonzi Colson actually surpassed LaFonso Ellis for the all-time uh, score, on the all-time scoring list, I should say. He moved into 15th place. Um, I expect him to climb up that list a little bit more, obviously, before his career is over. Um, we'll move into uh, game number three that I watched yesterday. Um, I will admit, by that time, and after suffering through another Georgia Tech loss, I had a little bit of bourbon in me. You know, that'll happen. Sometimes uh, you got to take the edge off, so I'm not stomping around the fucking living room acting like a goddamn maniac. But, you know, 
that's what it takes sometimes in the world of college basketball. I did watch uh, the 4 o'clock game, which was NC State traveling then to South Carolina to visit Clemson. And after watching this game, I've been a little touch and go on Clemson, I'll admit. I, uh, I'm not a huge believer in Brad Brownell. Um, I am a believer in Kevin Keats. But now that <laughs> Mark L. Johnson is apparently facing an assault charge in Ohio, um, who knows if or when he'll be back. Um, with Clem, uh, with North Carolina State shorthanded, Clemson, you know, really just kind of destroyed him. It wasn't really a game. Um, the, the score would indicate that NC State hung tough. And, it, it, you know, it was nip and tuck for a little bit, but uh, Clemson was able to kind of lock down Braxton Beverly. Uh, they kept the Wolfpack front court in check. Uh, ended up winning the game. Let's see, 70, 78 to 62. I had predicted a closer game, actually, Clemson pulling out 72 to 69. So the score and the spread actually kind of surprised me a little bit. I'm glad I didn't put a bet down because I would have lost money on this. Clemson improves to 12 and 1. NC State falls to 10 and 4. Um, you know, I said in the preview that I thought it would be decided in the front court. Um, not as big a difference as I thought, but Clemson, uh, they, their combination of Grantham and Thomas had 23 points, 19 boards, and 8 blocks, while the starting combo of Yurt 7 and Abu went for 16 points, 13 rebounds, and 5 blocks. Leonard Freeman did add 7 points and 4 boards off the bench for NC State. Um, Keats was never actually able to hurry up Clemson uh, to get them to play fast. NC State wants to get out and push. And, uh, and and try to press you into playing up to their tempo, up to their style. Without Markel Johnson, I think that's going to be difficult because there's not a ton of, uh, a ton of um, depth in that backcourt without Johnson. Um, Braxton Beverly, who came into the game with the best assist-to-turnover ratio in the entire conference with uh, 52 assists to 17 turnovers on the season, I believe, you know, only had three point, uh, three assists and three turnovers in the game, so it was a one-to-one, so it was a down game for him. Uh, LeVar Batts did play for NC State, but he did not particularly play well. Um, he had three points in 29 minutes, one for, one for seven, actually one for two inside the arc. He only had one assist and a turnover with three fouls. So, you know, they need Markel Johnson back. Obviously, it's up in the air whether or not he will actually return. Um, I was a little skeptical early on. Al Freeman, the transfer from Baylor, came to NC State. Uh, you know, he joined his brother. Um, they're, they're native uh, North Carolinians, I believe. And <clears throat> a lot of people were thinking, you know, that was, was going to be a big piece for them. And early on it has, or has been, I should say. And he's been an asset but I was never a big believer in the points that he was putting up. Um, he was never a huge scorer at Baylor. In fact, he was a top 100 guy, I believe, that underachieved significantly. And yesterday, uh, he played 37 minutes. He went 5 of 19 and scored uh, 14 points, had four turnovers, um, only two assists, which he's not a big assist guy anyway. He's a scorer. Uh, they didn't get really anything out of Sam Hunt, who for some reason only played nine minutes. I'm not sure what's up with that. Uh, especially with Abu only playing 15. I'm surprised uh, Hunt didn't uh, steal some of those minutes away from Bats. I don't know if he's hurt. I hadn't heard anything. Uh, moving over to Clemson, um, <clears throat> you know, this might be the most underrated team, both right now and in the preseason uh, opinion polls in the, in the entire conference. They're, they're uh, starting five, all scored double digits yesterday. Uh, they shot 87% from the free throw line. They shot uh, 37%, give or take, 
from the three-point line. And, you know, they got two guards in the backcourt, Sheldon Mitchell and uh, Marquise Reed, that combined for 33 yesterday. And between the two of them, they had four turnovers, seven assists, and 13 rebounds. So, you know, an experienced backcourt, throwing Gabe DeVoe, who's a senior, been there forever. Seems like he's been there since I started being a fan in 95, 96. And it's one of the more talented, more well-rounded teams in the conference that nobody seems to be talking about. Everybody seems to be surprised when Clemson beat Florida. I had that fucking game pegged from two weeks before that game was ever played. Uh, Grantham is a fantastic stretch four. Uh, He also hits the glass. You know, I said in the pregame preview that Elijah Thomas is a firestorm of emotion. He's a guy that's going to fire up his team. He went out, he had six blocks yesterday. He's one of the front runners early on, I would say, for conference defensive player of the year. Um, As far as this game goes, not a whole lot. I believe Clemson was up nine, played far superior, pretty much tipped to buzzer in this. Um, I'm going to move on to a game. Like I said, I watched four out of the six. I actually watched BC Virginia at about five o'clock this morning just so I could get this podcast out and ready. Uh, It was actually a surprisingly good game. I uh, I, I was – I'm impressed by BC. They – I thought early on, especially when they beat Duke and, and, and some other teams or some other games that they were able to pull off early in the season, that, that uh, well, one, their defense is going to give them a ton of trouble, which I think it still might. I mean, they still did lose this game. But their three-point shooting is fucking incredible. Uh, you know, in this game, uh, Jerome Robinson and Ty Jerome went at it back and forth. Uh, Robinson had 29 for Boston College. Virginia had uh, – Jesus, Ty Jerome had 31 for Virginia – um, in typical Virginia fashion, it was slow down, um, we're not going to run, but again, they were really proficient on the offensive end. Uh, that's that's kind of what Tony Bennett expects. They're not going to take a lot of shots, but when they get open looks, they're going to make you pay. Kyle Guy did not play well. He was 4-14, I believe. DeAndre Hunter, again, did not play well. Um, Jay Huff, I don't believe, saw the floor again. Um, if you would have told me before the game that Devin Hall was going to go 0 for 6 and Jerome Robinson was going to have 29 for BC, I would have told you that Boston College won this game. But I, I did not expect Ty Jerome to have 31. I don't think anybody did. If they tell you that, they're a fucking liar. Um, he had played well in his two previous games. But apart from his 31, Isaiah Wilkins, maybe the most underrated player in this conference, you know, supported him with nine points, 14 rebounds, six blocks, which I believe he moves into sixth place all time on UVA's block list. In this game, Tony Bennett actually got his 200th win at Virginia as well. Um, <clears throat> I had predicted this game, uh, 71-65 in favor of Virginia. I thought that was a little high, but if Boston College was able to shoot the three, I thought for sure they'd be able to pump up that scoreboard a little bit. Um, so UVA moves to 12-1, and one, Boston College moves to 10-4. and four. I don't think anybody knows that Virginia's in the top 10 in the country. They are actually the number nine team in the country. And last I checked, they are the highest-ranked ACC team in Ken Palm. So this is a team that is a little bit more talented than any of us want to believe or any of us even knew about, I think. Um, if Ty Jerome can turn this corner, he has not been great offensively. If he can turn the corner and give them solid offensive output – and Wilkins does his thing, which is he's going to give you nine and nine, ten and ten. You know he's going to block some shots. He's going to come up with steals. He's going to shut down the best player in the opposing front court. If they get that third score, Kyle Guy is a fucking murderer. He's going to get out there. He's going to throw daggers. He's going to he's going to kill your fan base. 
and he's going to he's gonna feel all right while he does it. Devin Hall is not going to go over six. He's too good of an offensive player. Um, this team makes free throws. They make open jump shots. If you leave them alone on the perimeter, they're going to hurt you. And Diakite off the bench is, you know, an athlete who's going to get in there. He's going to hit the offensive glass. He's going to block some shots. He's going to make winning plays. You know, that's one of the biggest differences between a team like Virginia, who may not be all that talented, and a team like Wake Forest, who has all kinds of talent, but they play losing basketball. Virginia makes plays to win the game at the end of the game such as Ty Jerome grabs a pivotal offensive rebound yesterday. He goes down. He drains two threes from the same spot with guys right in his face. Uh, Isaiah Wilkins gets a big block at the end of the game. Whereas, you know, in the UNC game, Wake Forest comes down and they're jacking threes and throwing the ball out of bounds and playing like they've never been there before, which they really haven't. Uh, Moving on to the two games that I did not watch because uh, I don't have a whole lot of interest in watching Pittsburgh play basketball. Uh, Miami actually beat Pittsburgh by 14. They're up by 11 at the half. The Hurricanes moved to 12-1. and Pitt falls to 8-6 and six on the season. Uh, once again, this was a game that I said in the, pre, in the, in the pregame preview that I wasn't going to bet, because who knows what you're going to get out of, about, out of both these teams. Uh, Marcus Carr played poorly for Pittsburgh in his first ACC game, which, you know, there's, there's nothing to be bashful or ashamed about as far as that goes. But Miami still didn't put together a great game. Uh, Lonnie Walker and Bruce Brown have yet to play a good game in the same game. Uh, Chris Likes came off the bench. He was instant offense, as we all expect him to be at this point. Uh, Jaquan Newton had a pretty good game. I think he will hit 8-8 eight and eight looking at the box score. Um, Pittsburgh... Pittsburgh's got to get away from Kevin Stallings. Um, they've got a couple good ones with uh, the frame kid. And Marcus Carr, the freshman, I think is going to be a good player. Patrick Stewart, I think, is going to be a good player. But Kevin Stallings is just, he wasn't a good hire. The fan base isn't showing up. You know, it's an empty coliseum. Um, They have no home court advantage, you know, right now. And, you know, (laughs) yesterday in the ACC play, the home team went 5-1. The only team to lose was Pittsburgh. Which, granted, you know, they've been gutted by transfers and... Stallings hasn't been able to pull any of the recruits to Pittsburgh like Jamie Dixon was able to do. But, you know, I'm not a huge Pittsburgh fan. I'm not a huge Stallings fan. I think Stallings is an egotistical maniac who, uh, you know, recruits players only to have them not being able to get away from him fast enough. Um, I think we've spent more than enough time on Pittsburgh. Uh, the other game I did not watch, but I probably should have, was the Duke-Florida State game. I questioned in the preview Phil Kofer, and apparently I should not question Phil Kofer, and I probably won't again. Uh, I thought possibly he was overachieving in the out-of-conference schedule. Uh, he'd been putting up some, some big numbers, and I thought he would struggle in this against this front court of Duke. Um, he pretty much told me to fuck myself and put up 29, I believe, yesterday. Um, I had predicted a score of 83-74. Like I said, Duke actually hit triple digits and won 193. Um, FSU was up at the half, 49-45, and led for for quite a bit of this game. Yeah, Kofor had 28-6. and six. Brian Angola uh, chipped in 23, which I don't really know a whole lot about this Angola kid. I, he's a transfer, I believe. Um, I, I knew he was a decent shooter, but watching him play yesterday, he's an ACC-caliber guard who can score the ball. He's a big guard. He's a little bit fiery. He's got a nice-looking stroke, nice-looking jump shot. Um, Kofer and Angola both combined to go 11-22 and 22 from deep. 
11 of 22 from deep. CJ Walker, this guy was he was my guy. He was one of my 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 top breakout prediction players in the preseason. Um, he had another terrible game. Uh, seven points, five assists. He didn't have any turnovers, but he did foul out in 20 minutes. You know, that's that's not going to work, you know, against these guys in the ACC. They need him to be on the floor and, and playing well and and giving them something out of the point guard position that that leads to wins. Um, I like Terrence Mann. I like Phil Cole for now. I, I like Brian Angola. But in the ACC, guard play matters. They need to get something out of their point guard position um, he's not getting it done right now. Um, I've said in some write-ups before that when Trent Forrest has to play 25, 30 minutes, this this uh, Seminoles team might be in trouble. Um, they did get something out of MJ Walker yesterday. He was in double digits. He had 10 points in 21 minutes, which is something that they're going to need. Uh, Cabin Gale, I believe his name is. I, can, I pronounce his last name different every time. He had 10 points, three boards off the bench. P.J. Savoy, for some reason, only played four minutes. Um, I'm not sure what was going on there, especially with Walker being in foul trouble. Savoy being have Savoy playing four minutes, Trent Forrest playing 24 minutes seems a little bit crazy to me. I know Forrest rebounds the ball and does some other things, but he can't shoot. He's not a threat. He's not a, a threat on the offensive end. So I think you'll see Savoy's minutes go up quite a bit, and I think as Walker starts to play better, Walker will eat into Forrest's minutes, and I think Savoy will start to eat into Walker's minutes as far as positionally goes. Um, on the other side, I did say in the preview that I didn't think that Wake Forest's uh, front court – I'm sorry, not Wake Forest, um, Florida State's front court – would be able to hang with Duke, and I expected the, that to be where the game was won. Uh, pretty easy prediction. You know, what I didn't expect was Marvin Bagley to go out there and score 32 points and grab 21 rebounds. Wendell Carter also had a double-double with 14 and 16 and added four blocks. Um, the other guys, uh, Javin Delorier, Marcus Bolden, didn't actually play all that much, which I was kind of shocked. Uh, I thought they'd get some run. But if, you know, if those two guys, if Carter and Bagley are playing that well, the, unless they ask for a blow – you ain't going to take him out. They did get into a little bit of foul trouble, which is probably the only reason that Delorier and Bolden got those minutes they did. But, hey, you know, it is what it is. Um, if you don't have to take Marvin Bagley off the floor, you're not going to take Marvin Bagley off the floor. And Wendell Carter is obviously one of the best rebounders in the country. So there you have it. I, I don't question Coach K. I try not to question Hall of Fame coaches. Um you know, again, you guys are going to have to bear with me. This is my first podcast. I know it's a little bit choppy at times. Um, I'm going to do a write-up today on the Virginia Tech-Syracuse game. We'll do a little game preview on that. I'm going to try to do the podcast probably every Sunday morning, uh, depending on how many games. Sometimes the slates on Sunday are large as well, and I'll record them Sunday night and release them Monday morning. Um, we will do an updated uh, power rankings this Friday. Um I am still working on getting some equipment in here and getting all my programming done correctly. So for the first couple of weeks, it's going to be a little bit rough, but uh, we're, going to, we're going to get it together. I'm going to put some drops together, put some music together. Uh, we'll probably do some guests. Um, we'll do uh, some guest spots. Like I said, I'll buy, sell, hold, uh, stock stuff on that. 
at some point. I'm not really prepared to do that today. I want to see a couple more games. I will tell you that probably Wake Forest is a sell for me right now. NC State is a sell for me. I am buying Clemson. I am buying Virginia Tech. I am buying Virginia. Uh, Georgia Tech is a strong sell for me right now. I think they might be the worst team in the country. Uh, worst team in the conference, I'm sorry. Not the country. Uh you know, maybe they're in contention for the worst team in the Power Five right now, but that's uh, that's a conversation for another day. Not really a conversation I want to have, to be quite honest. Um, Duke, obviously, I'm I'm buying. Uh, I am holding on Louisville, Notre Dame, and UNC. UNC has got to start pushing uh, pushing the ball more. They hit the glass well, but they've got to start turning over these these other uh, opponents and getting some live ball turnovers where they can get out and run. Um, when you've got guys like Kenny Williams, Cameron Johnson, Joel Berry, Theo Pinson, these are guys you want to get out in the open court and, and lead to easy baskets. And then you can set up whatever defense you want to play to hopefully create more live ball turnovers. So um, I appreciate you guys tuning in for this uh, premiere episode. Uh, I wanted to get it out so I can lock up the naming rights and things like that. So, again, stick with me. I know it was a little bit rough. We'll do better next week. Uh, have a drink. Relax, enjoy some football today, and uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thanks. Appreciate it.